Hello and welcome to Arcade Couch, the best place to chill with your friends and get your gaming goodness every Monday at Australian 6am. At 6am Australian Eastern Standard Time, I'm your host, Ashley Hobley. Join me today on the couch, Jeremy Marshall. It is becoming common in the last month where it's just Arcade Couch with just you and me, just chilling. Yeah, what are you going to do? Just Some people not just have chill. a dill of blood. Yeah, apparently. You know, he's too busy. Big timing us. He is you know, big time now. He's too big time. You know, I'm sure he's not doing anything crazy. Like no, he's... crazy that would take up all his time, all his spare time instead of doing work for Explosion Network. Off um, doing playing indie games instead of triple A's. You know how he is. Yeah, you know how it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, on today's show we're going to talk about Xbox leaking everything everywhere, and then being in Tokyo. <laughs> uh, but first, I want to do a quick P- PSA. If you're going to PAX Australia this year, on Friday, the 6th of October, and taking the train, there will be a train strike from 10am to 2pm. So either make alternate tra- transport just go early. plans. Just, just go or early. Or go early, yes. Just go early. I mean, if, you, if you're showing up for the 10am convention at 10 o'clock, I mean, that's on you. That's on you. It's on you. But then also, it's interesting that it's like... It's very interesting. Like I guess it's not video game related, it's striking, but it's like, okay, we're going to strike, but we're also going to strike in the period of time that's going to do almost a minimal amount of damage to the Melbourne ecosystem because we're going to do... Yeah. We're going to be available for both rush hours for... Yeah, the only people who are being inf- inconvenienced are old people, which makes sense because they're the ones who will complain the most. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, but if you need to get to work, you'll be fine. As long as you're at work before ten o'clock, then yes, or at least on the train before ten. But yeah, uh, get there early to packs. I mean, that's just a given. You should be there like at least half an hour early, so you can line up and listen to Country Road played on repeat over and over again. Good thing I don't have to do that again this year or ever again. Yeah, I don't know. I, I might just. Bring a speaker, and then oh my god, we were standing the for them for media and start playing. <laughs> Especially if we're successful this weekend. Oh, uh, boy. <laughs> oh, um. Also, did you see the Bethesda's got a special, couple of special community I events? Did. They're I planning. did see that actually, um, and I saw there was like a, a, a fireside chat with Bethesda and stuff being organized. Yeah, they've got the creative director from Elder Scrolls and the game director from Hi-Fi Rush attending. Uh, Pax Australia, they're doing what was it, brews and brushes, where it's like uh, painting classes. That's awesome. And the, the things they'll be painting is Bethesda artwork. That's really cool. for the inspired by the games with drinks, you know. So that's cool. Unfortunately, it's all sold out. Uh, but holy shit, that was <laughs> yeah okay. Uh, if you know, they're also holding a Elder Scrolls Online party uh, at one of the the places near the convention center. I can't remember exactly. I think it's Cargo Hall is what it's called. Uh, on the Thursday night. So yeah, if, that's one of the. Yeah, no, I know which one Cargo Hall is. That is one of the bars. Yeah. On the, so if yeah. you if you like ESO, uh, I think you can still be added to the waiting list. Uh, so yeah, <laughs> check. Uh, <laughs> I should have a link for explosionnetwork.com. Uh, you can find all the details there. Otherwise, yeah, there'll be a couple of Bethesda related panels uh, there. But yeah, you. Last year, you went to the Bethesda Worlds experience. I did. Which was really yeah, cool. it was very good. Um, yeah, I think Bethesda always do a great job. At least for the last couple of years, mm-hmm. 
um, of packs is where they have shown a very good presence. Um, I think, honestly, I think they, as maybe a studio or a developer, try the hardest when it comes to PAX Australia, like in terms of yes. their support, their presence, um, the different events they're trying to do while the event's going on. Um, mm-hmm. No, I think it's absolutely great. So it's it's always appreciated. And it's nice to see Bethesda caring so much about Australia and, and New Zealand and, and the region. Yeah, A lot of developers probably don't get down here with as much presence as they do. Yep. Yeah, so PAX, 12 days to go. Let's Whoa. go! Alright, let's move into talking about some video games. Now, Kieran, you've been dabbling in two of the big releases from this mm. week. Uh, what do you want to start with? Um, We'll start with the one I the least liking out of the two. Um, we'll start okay. with Payday 3. Ooh. Um, but not, not for our like game reason, I guess. it's Payday 3 is more Payday, which I guess is exactly what you fans of the genre want to be asking for. It is they didn't more want payday. You them to turn it on his head. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like it's it not is... a management sim now. Yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> it's 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 still a cooperative, um, heisting game, and it, it's a lot of fun to play. There is, um, a lot of elements. There's lots of variety now in different map types or in different heists to be doing with lots of different perks, um, with a, a range of cosmetics and and um goods that can be purchased while you're getting it. I think it's it's nice to to play through and do. I just think the game feels like it wasn't prepared for launch. Um playing with friends on Friday night. Uh I'm playing on we're all playing on PC. It was just issue after issue after issue. The game doesn't and this is all yeah on PC. The game just never felt optimized for um I guess anything like it was the game would run fine until any explosions or even gunfire from yourself would make frame drops happen all of a sudden. And it, that was ranged from um, a kind of middle tier PC to a top of the range PC. Everybody was having issues with frame rate drops due to, to gunfire um, and explosions. And then on top of that, just constant matchmaking issues. Like in, in this is where, there's only four of us like there's we have the full four of us in the party um and we just kept getting kicked from matchmaking having to relaunch the game having to relaunch so we could see each other in the friends list um just constant issues of people being you know the game crashing or people being kicked from the sessions we just had a whole bunch of issues that i haven't experienced the launch like this in 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 a multiplayer game for some time and i think mainly because Generally, those games have a wide variety of betas or testing prior to launch, and I feel like maybe Payday didn't do that um, in in terms of um, their infrastructure, and I think that just made the experience not as fun, not as enjoyable. Um, I think the game itself is still... If you enjoyed Payday in the past, it is Payday. It is um, organizing and, and, and watching different heists and doing different builds with different perks and kind of trying to make your setup fit for the type of job that you're taking on. Um, yeah, I've, I've only, we only played probably five, six hours of it on and off for the last couple of days. So um, hopefully there is just ongoing improvement, which I'm sure the team um, is doing at the moment, but it's a great co-op game. It is on Xbox Game Pass. So I don't think I would be, I'd probably be more annoyed if I had paid full price for this on Steam mm. or paid for the game on console. Um, but with Game Pass, I, I think it gives you that ability to be a little bit more forgiving because you haven't gone out of your way to pay for it or to, to open it up. 
Um, but the other game that I've been really enjoying this week is Lies of P, um, which I was very surprised about. The new Souls one game. Yeah, that was are you are you a Bloodborne boy? Uh, no, I well I suck at these. Kinds oh yeah, of games. that's right. You played like two hours of the game for a stream once. I did. So I did it. for like a charity stream we were doing. I played two hours of that. Last I played Elden Ring the most. I'm not great at these games, and and I've always struggled with Dark Souls, Demon Souls, um, for a variety of reasons. And I honestly think it's generally because of FromSoft's style of storytelling. Um, I I don't like the I don't know. I, I guess it doesn't engage with me in the stories that they try and tell through those games, or the lack of stories trying to tell. Where it's just kind of like you 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 feel like you're just going forward because that's what the game wants you to do, and that's what you want to do. And and I'm all for you know. I know for a lot of people, those games are about learning different builds and fighting the bosses and learning the bosses and getting good at the bosses and speed running and all that stuff and the exploration. But I always just struggled because I, I never had a reason to keep playing. And I think that's where Lies of P kind of clicks a lot more with me because I think the story elements are a lot more obvious. They're maybe written in a lot more um, straightforward way. There is a lot more character interactions. You have... Um, you have like the the main character's kind of narrator or uh, psychic character Jiminy, like there to talk to you and, and talk about different events and provide context for things. There are actual NPCs that you interact with regularly and talk to and build story from, and there is objective and reasoning behind what you're doing. And then there's this really interesting plot device of of the story of Pinocchio and how they're using that in the game and how vital that story actually is to the story itself i find it incredibly interesting so when i am dying over and over again to a boss fight i am compelled to keep going i'm not just doing it because i just want to beat the boss and go on to the next boss i want to keep exploring i think the game is a lot more in a lot of ways i think it's a lot more forgiving than um dark souls Elden ring in terms of just little things like if you die in a boss fight you lose all your uh, it's called ego or ergo in this game but souls in the dark souls in dark souls and stuff your souls were just trapped in that boss fight in that boss room that you had to just go back and you couldn't get them unless you kept going back into it with lies of p the souls are left outside the area like just outside the door where you enter the boss fight so you can go and get them and if you decide oh i need to go grind some stuff or i need to go change my build or i need to learn something or get better you can go do that without feeling like you're losing souls because of it. You're not trapped in that ever-going cycle of um, boss fight after boss fight after boss fight. I think there's there's lots to explore. You're rewarded for exploring. I think the weapon system is, is fascinating in this game where every weapon in the game except for the legendary boss weapons are split into two parts, the blade and the handle, and you can combine any two of those items together and craft a different weapon out of the two and there's just endless combinations with these weapons that means you can find the right weapon for your play style and it encourages that it encourages you to mess around and to try things out um i, I think the game in itself just for me personally is so more, much more accessible so much more interesting to get into and the world itself is, is full of intrigue and character um you not only are fighting 
puppets after puppets of different um, mechanical beings. But there are humans in this world. There are people living in this world, and you're you're uncovering and and it's a lot. Of, you know, the game's called Lies of P. It's a lot about your character choices in conversations and in moments in the game. It is about choosing whether your character learns how to lie because the principle of the world is that puppets aren't allowed to lie. Puppets have to tell the truth. And for whatever reason, your your puppet, Pinocchio, is... Well, that's what they call it. You, it, you presume it's Pinocchio, but never gets referenced that so far in the seven hours I've played. Is able to lie, and you're able to, to tell those lies. And, and the game wraps around that and, and goes through that. So um, it's really exciting. It's really interesting. It's, once again, on Xbox Game Pass. I think it's been a good week for Xbox Game Pass in terms of Lies of B and Payday 3 being released on it. Um, but it it is a great game at the moment to to jump into it to play with, and I think a lot of people are liking how this game takes on it. You know, I think it is its inspiration is largely Bloodborne, but it's taking aspects of Bloodborne, but b- pulling in and building in different mechanisms and understanding what it's doing and um giving you more tools to play with, more ways to play, more rewarding exploration finding things out in the world finding weapons around the place um yeah it's it's so much fun and i'm really enjoying it and for me it's actually a pretty big surprise uh, for how good it is with it's with coming out cool do you think you're gonna finish it <laughs> i'm gonna keep playing through like i'm looking, uh, looking um, at the schedule you're like oh is anything uh, gonna pop up yeah or? i think i've definitely only got this week-ish to keep playing it but it's definitely something I want to keep chipping away at and keep playing at and keep um, enjoying and, and, and getting into and kind of experiencing overall because it's 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 an interesting world and an interesting story to be diving into um, that I wouldn't mind continuing to push into and keep finding more and more about. Cool. Yeah. Obviously doing very well. I think it's got 80-something on Open Critic. Um, yeah, it's a, you know... A game that everybody was kind of hyped on that's finally actually fulfilled its promise. Yes, 100%. Um, of uh, being the Bloodborne Timothy Chalamet game. So. Yes, but if you don't like Timothy Chalamet, you can very quickly cover that up with like a mask of some kind. <laughs> who, who doesn't like Timothy Chalamet? Well, it's going to be somebody. Let's move into some video game news then. Uh, and the big one this week, Xbox. A uh, bunch of their documents got leaked. So reading from GameIndustry.biz, earlier this week, a collection of documents intended as exhibits in Microsoft court battle against the Federal Trade Commission, bringing them with significant insight into future... This is a terrible sentence structure. <laughs> earlier this week, a collection of documents intended as exhibits in Microsoft's court battle against the Federal Trade Commission bringing with them, I guess, were released, bringing with them significant insight into the future plans for Xbox. While Xbox boss Phil Spencer has since emphasized that the information contained is outdated with conversations and documents spread across 2020 to 2022, they are at least, they at least give details on Xbox strategies and priorities at the time. Uh, The original documents uploaded by Microsoft have since been taken offline. But details are still emerging, and we've gathered the highlights all in one place. Uh, so yeah, pretty much Microsoft, as far as I can tell, uh, uploaded all these confidential documents to a public server. 
in in the process of the federal trial commission, whatever thing that you know they won. So I mean, whatever. But yeah, there's some interesting tidbits here. Of course, Phil Spencer has come out and said, you know, some of these things have changed in the two plus years uh, that uh, things have progressed. Um, my big takeaway is, man, this is this gives this is an example where it, some some of these emails should have been a meeting. You know, some of these email exchanges about buying Nintendo and and Warner Brothers and that kind of stuff. Maybe don't leave a pep trial. That's what. But like, it, I don't, I don't agree with that though. That's like telling people. I mean, that's like telling people, hey, in your email address, in your, you never send an email with no. any information that you want to get because you know what? It's not private. You're not allowed to have a private mailbox. You're not allowed no, to have no, that, that's a fair. company. That's fair. You're not I allowed check. to have that. Like that's that's that. This is what this is what actually annoys me about this story is that people are like. Almost being like, oh, why the fuck is Microsoft talking like this in emails? And you're like, because it's fucking emails. I'm sure there's a but, like, sure, never write stuff down you don't want to see come out in public, but like, you can't. People shouldn't exist living their life worried that, you know, all their emails are going to get flushed out and leaked. And, and this is, and I think a lot of this stuff is way like, I don't know, it's, it's way more pointless when it comes out because I'm like, the whole them talking about Nintendo, I think I said on this show multiple times years ago that Xbox should go and fucking buy Nintendo, or that Nintendo should stop doing hardware and just become a I software mean, for developer. For a lot of people, that's the dream. That so. Yeah, it's like stop becoming a hardware. So, of course, these companies are going to ask the question, should we do it? Could we do it? Is this a possibility? Mm. And I think that's okay. Yes, people don't like it because Microsoft, especially in today's landscape, are co- like th- there is this narrative of Microsoft buying everything and buying all these developers and, and monopolizing the game development being and these big people taking over. And, and I don't like it, it's it's sure like it, it's especially at the time where these emails are happening. Xbox is having to take drastic kind of not drastic measures, but trying to push the envelope and be like, "Can we?" Yeah, do at this? the time Could we do it. What like, Game Pass is like twelve months old, maybe. Game Pass is twelve months old. Generally, their first party games are doing poorly. They don't really have first party games coming out. They, mm-hmm. yeah, they're they're trying to build themselves compared to PlayStation, which has this catalog of AAA exclusives that consistently release and consistently do really well and consistently provide value for people who have bought their consoles. Uh, do I think that Xbox provides that value, or Microsoft is providing that value for people who bought consoles and Xbox consoles? Not necessarily. Like, I don't think... I love Game Pass. I love the ability of Game Pass. But, as I said last week, I've given my Xbox away because I can use all the stuff that I want on Game Pass I can get on my PC. Mm-hmm. Um... I think if there was just yeah, I, I don't fuck leaks happen and it sucks that, you know, people feel the need to just post them all over the internet and that they need to feel great about giving the scoop away or that like Yeah. There is there is a sense of you don't post these because you don't post these because of it's a positive for Microsoft. You post them because you want Microsoft to look bad. 
No, not necessarily. I think it just gives an insight into what their plans are going down the line. Like maybe some of the the ones talking about how much, how they would buy Nintendo and stuff like that. That wasn't necessarily newsworthy when it's just uh throwing the idea out there rather than like tangible actually following through which we know they did at some point actually yeah. offered by nintendo um way earlier like in the early days of xbox um but yeah i think i think there is some interesting stuff to discuss out of these leaks um so starting off despite microsoft's talk of taking the console industry beyond generations company is still planning to release another xbox console as of spring 2022 the aim was to launch the successor to the xbox series x and series s in 2028 giving the current generation an eight-year life cycle i mean that probably sounds about right based on that history makes sense i don't know why anybody's surprised about that if anybody looked at the xbox series x and go you know what that's microsoft's done making consoles they can just Leave that hardware and it's just going to be evergreen. No, you're having a fucking laugh. Even, you know, PCs <laughs> that are... The PCs, people into modern game PC and if they have right. the ability they to... They're so, after like five minutes, right? They they are like... Exactly, right? They, like they degradate are, worse than cars, right? They degradate real bad and within 12 months, your graphics card that you just bought brand new has already been replaced. And within three to four years, you are like, I need to buy a whole new PC. I need to spend another four thousand, five thousand dollars to buy a whole new PC, Every, and it happens. And it's just the, that is the normal. It, that's the normal lifespan, and it has that's been the for a very the long business. time of gaming PCs. And I don't think if anybody was thinking that consoles would be different and you'd get very long lifespans out of consoles, you know what? I think eight years is pretty fucking good. Fuck if you only spend the whatever you bought the console for 800 900 bucks for eight years yeah yeah for eight years that's, that's, a, hundred, that's a hundred bucks a year realistically mm. speaking pretty good return for playstation players with good games uh <laughs> <laughs> also for 2028 microsoft has been planning a hybrid xbox platform for cloud gaming that would leverage the combined power of the client and cloud the new device was would be aimed at the price point of less than 99 us dollars um, that seems crazy. Uh, the leak presentation entitled Cohesive Hybrid Compute uh, reads, Our vision, develop a next-generation hybrid game platform capable of leveraging the combined power of the client and cloud to deliver deeper immersion in entirely new classes of game experiences. Optimized for real-time gameplay and creators, we will enable new levels of performance beyond the capabilities of the client hardware alone. It's, uh, that's just Stadia. That would just be Microsoft's <laughs> and that works out so well. And that works so well, and I can guarantee no, they, Microsoft's probably given up on this idea. Even though Microsoft could leverage what they've got with Azure and what they've already built with cloud gaming to make this successful, it's not... I think they would be stemming this and kind of waiting a bit while longer before they will keep... Well, yeah, it. it's just... Uh, they, it, it's an infrastructure thing rather than actually a problem with the idea. Like, there are so many parts of the world that just can't yep. support this, you know? So, would do you really want to split your play base by having this cloud thing only is, it's service not, or device? I don't even think it would be splitting your play base, it's just providing a different avenue into your play base. Yeah. But it is, with that infrastructure problem, with the, the problems around stuff like internet that is so out of control, of like, out of the hands of Microsoft to deal with, what's the point? 
you know, what's what's the point of what they're doing? Uh, Microsoft is reportedly planning to release refreshed versions of its Xbox Series consoles in 2024, uh, according to the plans uh, from the 2022. Uh, the refresh for the Series X, the higher-end model, is shown to be a cylindrical design, and unlike its forebearer, it will not have a disk drive. Um, in the presentation, it says, the most powerful Xbox ever, now adorably all digital. Uh... Codename Brooklyn, the device's internal storage would be expanded two terabytes with faster Wi-Fi and reduced power. It's expected it was expected to launch in October 2024 uh, at 499 US dollars, the same as the current Xbox Series X. Interesting. I don't think we've had a round console before. <laughs> a cylindrical console. That would be I don't tough. think so because it a cylinder would be a fucking nightmare to put parts into. But doesn't that just <laughs> doesn't that just like I would love to love to know if there is like you know what was the, the one of the major problems with the Series X when it comes out, I don't know if you remembered, where people were like, that thing standing up vertically is never going to fit into my fucking disc <laughs> cabinet, my con my unit, whatever. So I mean, Microsoft was like, hey, now you gotta okay. now you can't turn it on its side, otherwise. Exactly, right. <laughs> Microsoft at the time was like, Hey, it's alright, you can put it on your side, the stand works on its side, it's completely fine. With a fucking cylinder? No, you're not going to be able to do that. It's just going to roll off. Like, I don't, I don't, like, it sounds cool. Like, I guess so it, many third party stands. It just makes me sound like, um, it. it just makes me sound like it makes me think of an Amazon Echo dot, but just somebody's like stretched it so it's long, like, so it's yeah. just got that length to it. Like, it's just, I don't know. It's, I guess it's an attempt to be cool. I think if anybody's surprised at them releasing a new version of their console, um, you, you you just don't pay attention to console releases because, you know, I think every console generation realistically has had some form of slim edition or upgraded edition or, um, yeah, new version that's been released a period of time into its life cycle. Interesting for removing the disk drive. No, it's not. But I'm, not. I have yeah. never once during my time on my PlayStation 5 thought, really wish this had a disk drive. Not even once. Well, you've got too much money. Just <laughs> <laughs> More money than sense, you know. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, the Xbox Series S refresh, codenamed Elwood, will have the same form factor as Xbox's lower price console with faster Wi-Fi, reduced power, and a terabyte internal storage. Uh, pretty much the same would be out August 2024, 2019 for $299. Uh, that's American though, so it's that's a, yeah American dollars. Uh, in yet another document, the revealed upcoming lineup for Bethesda Studios includes Dishonored Three, remasters of Elder Scrolls Four: Oblivion, and Fallout Three, a Ghostwire Tokyo sequel, an unannounced game based on a licensed IP, and nine free-to-play and/or mobile titles. I was um, not going to lie, I got super hyped when I heard about potential Oblivion remaster. That's, you can remaster I mean, Skyrim. And those two times. make a lot of sense. Makes so much sense. Like, like surely you, one of the studios that they bought could be making remasters of a bunch you, of Bethesda games. Oblivion should just be remaster all of the games. And it should. Yeah, exactly, right? Like, they should. They've already except got for, the game. Except just make a better version of it. Don't, don't do And then Skyrim. people will play it again. Skyrim's already done that event. There's already... I don't know. And I think one more shot at it will fix, you know. Oh, boy. Um, one more pass on the, the one, game. The only one that surprised me in that list is 
Ghostwire Tokyo. That, well, I think it just passed 5 million players to this week. Yeah, but how uh, long has it on been On the back out of it for? coming to Game Pass. Yeah. Remember, this document came out early 2022. Yeah, that's um, fair. Because so... that game did real bad. And then this would have been before the director... Not Was it the director of this game that everybody loved? Or... There's somebody in that studio that no, everybody no, no. loved, and she left. That was way... She left way before the game actually came out. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, but also, on the other hand, this would be an Xbox exclusive, I guess, and they could, like, direct it think, a little I bit more. Think it didn't do I think, well, you know... It didn't do well when it was on fucking PlayStation by itself. Like, I don't... I don't know. I don't, know. See, the, yeah. I don't see the value. Yeah, I think this is just uh, the plan. They probably... I, I suspect, like you unlikely that this is what the direction they'll be going uh especially on the back of the success of hi-fi rush maybe they 100%. pivot to something to more games in that of that ilk rather than uh that um also interesting uh licensed ip so you know a non-xbox ip i'm guessing from a bethesda studio that's other than indiana jones which they're currently working on that's interesting like what could it be? Uh, who could be making it? That's a couple of interesting questions. And then the other one, the other game that was listed uh, amongst these was uh, Doom Year One. Or no, Doom Year Zero, I think it is. Um, which was also meant to have DLC and <laughs> stuff like that. So um, obviously that seems like it's still a ways off. But uh, yeah, it looks like... Well, we may be getting another Doom title in the near future. Which good. is good. Doom always good does well. for the Doom fans. Um, I think it's great for Doom. It means there'll be another killer soundtrack. I don't see there's anything wrong with that. No. And yeah, nine planned titles for free-to-play or mobile. We don't seem to have seen any of that yet. <laughs> we'll get that. It's just, you know, they have always done it in terms of stuff like Fallout Chapter that you love the shit out of and um, bits well, and pieces yeah. of tie-ins like it'll it'll happen. But yeah, Fallout seventy six mobile's coming. Probably, well, yeah, probably. Uh, of course, there was an internal email from Phil Spencer detailing his ambitions for Microsoft to acquire Nintendo, saying it would be a good move for both companies. However, he acknowledged an acquisition would be difficult as Nintendo is sitting on a big pile of cash, and it would take a long time for Nintendo to see that their future exists off of their own hardware a long time. Uh, yeah. I, 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 Philly Spencer, I agree with you wholeheartedly. It's a little bit, uh, a little bit condescending. Uh, it is. It is. Probably be <laughs> it's like, better, but... they don't know what's good for them. If they were smart, they would just let us buy them. <laughs> you know? Well, that, I, that's how it comes across. Is, I've, even as somebody that can't be condescending towards Nintendo, I've always said, Shit, your money is in your IP, not in your hardware. Leverage your IP and put it on other better hardware and just don't worry about hardware ever again. Don't stress about I it. I think we should I should also point out, based on the discussions around this this week about oh Xbox wants to buy Nintendo, there is no chance Xbox will be able to buy Nintendo now. Oh no, God no. Definitely not. This no is way. this is completely out the there is Thing no is, possibility. I think there was already no chance of. I don't think there was. I think there was already no chance of them buying Nintendo just off the back of the reaction to the Blizzard Activision purchase. Purchase. I don't think. I think that conversation probably was shut down internally, and I hope was shut down internally because 
if the gaming world is going to lose their shit over Blizzard Activision, the gaming world is going to lose its shit over Nintendo. Like, the almighty sale. Yep. Uh, also, apparently, they were considering buying Warner Brothers games, which would have been a big get. Yeah. Uh, even, but, yeah, I guess I, that was more to WB deciding not to. Yeah. didn't we know about this wasn't there like uh, i feel like there was a story previously about warner brothers purchase and the potential for microsoft to buy them well it also reads in this article earlier this year other acquisition targets were revealed in core documents including thunderfalls supergiant games niantic playrix zynga bungie io interactive scopely uh microsoft also considered acquiring companies like sega cg project red chrome software square enix Larian Studios and Remedy. So, uh, yeah, they pretty much considered everybody. <laughs> Which I think is, I don't know, normal? Like, I don't know. I feel like it's good to be ambitious with when you're looking at how you want to develop your first-party developers and your, your scale for the company. God, if somebody was just going to sit back and be like, yeah, what we've got is what we've got. We're not even going to ask the question of anybody else. I think that's a bit of a yikes. I don't think that's anybody could fault them for being ambitious with their potential targeting. Yep. Uh, So this is another interesting part of the leaks. Um, Leaked Microsoft documents have revealed the estimated costs of putting third-party games on Xbox Game Pass. As reported by Kotaku, the internal email exchange in May 2022 between Microsoft VP of Gaming Business Development Sarah Bond and Xbox head Phil Spencer showcased how much it would cost to bring titles like Star Wars Jedi Survivor and Mortal Kombat 1 to the service. Bond provided analysis of day-to-day, day-and-date debuts on Xbox subscription service to fill the gap, including cost, estimates, average hours of play, and the likelihood that publishers would be open to making a deal. Jedi Survivor had the high, highest estimated cost at $300 million. Bond described acquiring the title as a crown jewel for Game Pass, but noted that EA was unlikely to agree to a deal. Mortal Kombat 1 was also deemed a crown jewel by Xbox, but unlike other Warner Brothers interactive entertainment titles, it would be unlikely to pass following the recent merger with Discovery. However, Xbox announced on Tuesday that Gotham Knights would be coming to Game Pass. And uh, Lego Star Wars uh, Skywalker Saga uh, was made available on the service last December. Uh, apparently, Gotham Knights would have been worth $50 million, and Star Wars Lego Star Wars would have been $35 million. Uh, Baldur's Gate was also a potential buy valued at $5 million. While it seems Microsoft may have underestimated the game's popularity, Larian's director of publishing, Michael Dias, clarified, so did everybody else. <laughs> um, yeah, it was reported in February that Baldur's Gate 3 was not coming to... Yeah, okay, that's not important. Uh, while not including the analysis, Spencer also mentioned a potential deal with From Software to get the Dark Souls games on Game Pass following the hit factor around Elden Ring. Um... Yeah, so they list a bunch of titles here. So Lego Star Wars Skywalker Saga, $35 million. Dying Light, $250 million. Red Dead Redemption 2, $5 million per month. Dragon Ball The Breakers, $20 million. Just Dance, $5 million. Let's Sing ABBA, $5 million. Return to Monkey Island, $5 million. Wreckfest 2, $10 to $14 million. Uh, Assassin's Creed Mirage, $100 million. Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League, $250 million. Uh, Grand Theft Auto V, $12 to $15 million per month. Blood Runner, $5 million. And Net Crisis Glitch Busters, $5 million. Um, so yeah, those are the kind of... That's the type of money. Sorry, if Microsoft even goes near 
buying fucking kill the justice Pain. league for 200 like paying 250 mil for kill the justice league there uh, there's Pain a problem <laughs> there's a fucking problem i don't know it's a big ip you know they're not looking it, for quality they just <laughs> <laughs> and that game could still be good you know no way it's good give rocksteady a chance no shot um <laughs> uh yeah this those numbers like are a lot surprise well I don't think to be fair none of those actually think it's not went through so none of those went through but like game pass pays like game pass like they pays. they have the potential to pay do you think all all indie devs are looking at this list now and going man like that's how much these games are getting the but is, now they've I got think... a like a bargaining chip they know what how much they're willing to spend on certain yeah, things. Yeah, but then you're... But then again, I think indie developers are playing a different ball game than all of those developers. I don't think You don't think any... they can get like $5 million like Return to Monkey Island? Uh, but that's... <sighs> Potentially, but I don't think so. Mm. I think you have to be in a position of either having... Well, it depends on the indie game. I think it depends on the indie game and it depends on the studio. I think the biggest thing is it depends on the studio of where you're, of how well you're known, how, you know what? It, the biggest thing that Microsoft cares about is if they were to put out a press release or a news article or a, a advertisement on Game Pass saying, hey, this game is being brought to Game Pass, what is the percentage of people that are going to instantly download that game? What are the people that are going to subscribe to Game Pass just to play that game? Mm, yeah. Like, and I, And I think... That's where these indie games don't have those bargaining tools and don't have those because for them, being on Game Pass is more about visibility than it is probably about earning the bag. Okay. Uh, Yeah, and then this last one. uh, The majority of Xbox Game Pass subscribers pay full price and use the service on console. That's according to heavily redacted Microsoft slide deck spotted by Tweet Town, which was among the latest wave of court documents released from the platform holders legal level from the Federal Trade Commission. Towards the end of the deck, Microsoft gave an overview of the digital gaming ecosystem as of April 2022, which showed that of the 33.6 million subscriptions on its Xbox console, 21.9 million were for Game Pass, excluding PC, with the remaining 11.7 million being Xbox Live Gold. Uh, since Microsoft has announced Game Pass had a total of 25 million subscribers just a few months before, more than 20% of the services users were on console. Uh, the company also declared that Game Pass Rev Sub uh, net revenue prescription was $9.26 to shy of the $9.99 price tag, suggesting most subscribers pay full price. I mean, that doesn't surprise me that most people pay full price. Most people do pay full price for everything. Yeah. It's a subscription. I don't, I don't know how you get a discount on Game no. Pass. Like, is that a thing that's like available? You sign up once and then you go, cool. And then I you guess just I'm stuck. forget about it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, 33.6 million subscriptions. You know, that's all. That is a lot. But how much bigger can that number actually get? Heaps bigger. Considering as a, as a console, they are even themselves rate themselves as a fucking secondary console or even sometimes third best console in the market, they, there is still, I think they've still got so much space to get 
bigger. I mean, that number's going to improve with them removing Xbox Live Gold. Yeah. And it all coming up under Game Pass, technically. Correct. Going forward. So. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. The other interesting tidbit that was in this in these found findings, at least, was at the time, Xbox Series S was the higher selling of the two SKUs. That makes complete sense. Uh, and apparently now it's a bit more 50-50, but, you know, that is surprising, you know? 4K, nobody I, cares about it. No, I don't even think it's that. You know, this was my biggest sell for the Series S, and, and this is... How great is the Series S for fucking parents and families? Could you imagine when you're a kid, yeah. when you're just like, your parents are like, here, here is your console, I'm also going to pay the $15, $20 a month, you have hundreds of games at your disposal. You can just download as you like. Mm-hmm. Like, like how, how it's fucking Netflix for games for kids. Like, it's so goddamn great. Like, you know what? I've got a, a friend, and she'll kill me if she hears me tell this about her because it was fucking hilarious when we found out. It's it's halfway through an episode. She's it's halfway listens. through. She's she's <laughs> if she listened, then it's I'm sorry. Um, she realized when we tried to download Texas Chainsaw Massacre that her Xbox or her Microsoft account had parental control still turned on from it on it. So the Xbox Game Pass that she had been seeing the entire time she's had Game Pass is the family friendly version of Game Pass <laughs> that has stuff like Texas Chainsaw like Massacre. Sixty and, new games came available yeah, after she turned like, it off. Like so <laughs> when she worked that out and she and it was it's funny. And that's I think the funny thing that comes out of that is even without the mature age games of the the family just the family oriented games the library is still big and it's still vast and there's still mm. lots there to do and lots there to play. Um, yeah. I think, yeah, I, I, that's why I'm not surprised that the Series S sells so well. It's the cheaper console. That is like the 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 console where you just buy it and you put it in your kid's yeah. room or in their playroom. Again, people don't really care about No, frames, that isn't the case at all. Pixels. Nope, that isn't the case at it's all. About it's because the people that the do care, floor. the people that do care about the Pixels just bought the Series X and the families who are just like, here, have the cheaper, more cost-effective console, just buy that. No, people didn't buy two. They just bought the, they just bought the cheap one. That's, oh, boy. You're overselling it. Uh, but yeah, that's that's the bulk of the stuff from the leaks. I mean, it's interesting, even though a lot of it's probably outdated and um, we don't necessarily know exactly what they're going to do going forward, but, you know, is it? It is what it is. <laughs> uh, continuing on from Microsoft, this week, it seems, the UK's Competition and Markets Authority has taken a significant step forward in approving Microsoft's proposed acquisition of Activision Blizzard and aims to make a final decision by October 6th. Uh, Kieran, is this train finally coming to the station? Will this story that never ends actually come to an end? No. I don't think so. I think it'll you just don't keep think? on trucking. <laughs> They're just never going to be able to buy Activision Blizzard? I, it, to me, it's it, it'll still go on even if when they get it. Even when they get it, somehow it'll keep on trucking. You'll be like, eh, we don't know. You know, it's uh, it's, Somebody yeah. will complain about it, or somebody will have a problem. Or Yeah, it, it's just the way it's going at the moment. It is, God, I think it's going to be another year at the very least. Wow. That's I reckon we'll still be talking about it this time next year. I don't know. I, don't know. I think everybody who had it was against it has like given up. It's like they've just been uh, pounded in submission with you know it's it's 
take it so long to to, to come to fruition. You know, there's this you know, lost all hope. Uh, so last week, of course, Judy angered all independent developers on the internet uh, with their ter- controversial runtime policy. Uh, this week, it's unveiled its planned changes uh, to that policy that would charge developers on a per-install basis. Unity Create President Mark Witten detailed the changes in the blog post, starting with the removal of the runtime fee for any game built on Unity Personal License. Additionally, the company is changing many of the Unity Personal Terms, Previously, personal accounts were only for developers who had less than $100,000 in revenue or funds raised in the previous year, but that's been up to $200,000. Also, Unity's personal developers will no longer need to feature the Made with Unity splash screen on their work. Unity Pro and Unity Enterprise uh, developers were uh, being given the option of avoiding the runtime fee in favor of 2.5% revenue share for the company uh, based on a developer's self-reported revenues. Unity says if a developer takes that option and the revenue share works out to be more than what the runtime fee would have been based on the developer's self-reported uh, new users, it will build the lesser amount. It, another change to the plan, the runtime fee will no longer be retroactive. It will only apply to developers who ship their games using versions of Unity that ship in 2024 or later to so previously released titles and games that ship with the current version of the engine or earlier versions will be exempt. Uh, we will make what that we will make sure that you can stay on the terms applicable for the version of Unity editor you are using as long as you keep using that version, Witten said. Witten also said he was sorry, and the Unity should have spoke with more developers and incorporated more feedback before announcing the runtime fee initially. Uh, yeah, so this story kind of went the way we went. We all thought it was going to go, where they backtracked very quickly. 100%. <laughs> I don't think... There was no other way this... It's like, we, we didn't check our feedback that everybody hated it. It's really weird. Oh, I think they were just. I think they just probably got the feedback. They went, "We don't care. We're fucking Unity. We'll do what we want." And then they didn't expect studios like the studio behind Cold Lamb being like, "Hey, we'll just lol, just we'll just yoink the game from the fucking stores. We'll just yeah. we'll just yoink it from stuff if we have to." Um, yeah, I, it's crazy. This was the way it was always going to go. You know what the f- the funniest thing to me is they're like, "Hey." You don't have to show the Unity splash screen anymore. It's like, is that because developer that you're enticing developers to keep using Unity, but they don't want other people to know they're still using Unity? It's like we're hiding the fact that we're using Unity. Now. Yeah, I don't. it's like it's like something you've tried to break up with somebody. Like, hey, you can you can be single, but we'll still be going out just between us like we'll still be going out but also you can tell everybody you're single and think like we're single you can say we're single but we're living together you know <laughs> we, we, share, we share all our assets you know we sleep, we sleep in the same bed but you can tell you everybody yeah it's a <laughs> uh but yeah it's you know it's been interesting to see the reaction i think it was the terraria devs came out this week and like made like a massive donations and ongoing donations to two smaller engines like going forward to hope oh, that they like kind of de- develop into being competitors for unity and that kind of stuff so it's just kind of raised attention to what engines are and like uh yeah you know what goes into them i guess so interesting st- uh week a couple of weeks ago we talked about the bluey game uh being uh announced being outed by the australian classification board uh, but now it's been confirmed that you, uh, Bluey the video game, based of course on the popular 
Australian family TV show will be released on Nintendo Switch, PS5, PS4, Xbox Series X and S, and PC on the 17th of November. Uh, developed by Spanish studio Artex Games, Glory the Video Game will feature a brand new four-part storyline developed in partnership with BBC Studios and, they quote, the studio's producers at Ludo Studio. Uh, according to the press release, uh, the title will be a cooperative four-player game where you can play as every member of the Healer family, Bandit, Chili, Bluey, and Bingo. Notably, the game will feature voices from the English cast of the game, English-voiced cast of the game, <laughs> uh, including David McCormick as Bandit and Melanie Zanetti as Chili. Uh, the announcement trailer suggests that the undisclosed actor behind Bluey herself will likely be present. Uh, additionally, existing Bluey music tracks composed by Joff Bush will feature alongside original music by the development team of Artex. So yeah, this this actually looks uh, good, and hearing that you know the actual voice cast is going to be involved is promising because a lot of these these uh, tying games from the studio they're like for like the Pippa Pig games and that kind of stuff they just use some random person off the side of the road <laughs> to voice Pepper. No, uh, they, they they don't bring in the actual voice cast. So yeah, promising. Still disappointed it's not being done by an Australian studio, but you know, go take what you can get. Uh, and November seems like genius time to release a game like this just before Christmas when all the kiddies will be playing the Bluey game. You don't want to... I want to know, is is there going to be online, online co-op? Uh, will I we hope play not. online co-op Bluey? I hope not. <laughs> I really just straight up hope not. I hope... To, to be not? honest, having any game that is aimed at kids, having any sort of online functionality is fucking gross. That's to me. a fair point. And should be point. a thing. Uh, but yeah, Bluey is come coming to conquer video games. Moving back to Xbox, Xbox held a big Tokyo Game Show uh, presentation. Uh, neither of us really watched it live, but they did announce a bunch of stuff, uh, including a bunch of stuff coming to Game Pass. Uh, so Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney trilogy will be coming twenty sixth of September. Monico's Night Market will come 26th of October. Wait, that can't be right. 26th of September is already... Oh no, that's next week. Uh, <laughs> I was like... You got my months mixed up, man. Uh, like a Dragon Gaiden, the man who erased his name will launch uh, 9th of November on Game Pass. Persona 5 Tactical will come 17th of November. Like a Dragon Ishin will be later in 2023. Persona 3 Reload will come 2nd of February 2024. Ayudin Chronicle 100 Heroes will come 23rd of April 2024. And Apollo Justice Ace Attorney Trilogy was also announced to be coming to Xbox Series X, Xbox One, and Windows PC in early 2024. Um, yeah, they also showed trailers for Forza Motorsport where they showed highlight of the Japanese Hakone track. They had uh, Elder Scrolls Online trailer that uh, apparently it's coming to Japan, fully localized. Uh, Expo Primal's getting a new map and missions. Uh, Octopath Traveler will be coming to Xbox platforms in 2024. Powerwell got a new trailer and it's expected on Xbox and PC in 2024. Wolong Fallen Dynasty got a second expansion known as Conqueror of Jiangdong uh, in September 2023. Uh, Ori and the Blind, or the Ori series is crossing over with party animals. 
players who jump into the competitive brawler will be able to unlock special Ori and Naru skins. And PUBG Battlegrounds got a new trailer revealing its incoming Wrangle map. Uh, but the big highlight of the showcase was a brand new game from Sweary65 and Suda51 called Hotel Barcelona. Uh, this revealed a wild-looking 2.5D slasher parad- paradic action game that features alien beings, AI sharks, serial killers, and a whole lot of style. Uh, it's pretty much exactly what you'd expect from a game created by Sweary65 and Suda51. Uh, Kieran, I made you watch the trailer for this before we started recording. And um, I'm pretty sure I broke your brain. I... This... You know what? I sat there watching this trailer wondering if this was an AI-created game. <laughs> like, wondering if this is where people had, like, put... Gone into AI but like, hey, build a game. Make a game. Because... This game has such weird fucking aesthetic and dialogue. I think it was the dialogue that was screwing with me. <laughs> because the dialogue just seemed to have nothing attached to what was happening in the trailer. Except for, you know, and, and it was like, oh, you know, it's like they sat like a 12-year-old down and were like, hey, want to be cool? And like, well, you know what would be really cool? If, like, a fucking shark came out of nowhere and it was like a shark car thing and there was a shark there and it was just it just kind of made no sense to me i don't know i was like okay why is this called hotel barcelona like that doesn't seem yeah there didn't look like there was any sort of hotel or anything spanish anything spanish nothing there um there was the one point i didn't i can't quite remember the whole sentence but like calling somebody a bigot at one point and like going into that, destroy, eviscerate every bigot out there. And I mean, I can get on board with eviscerating bigots, but I can. But it just, I, I don't. I don't know. I think if you just took the audio without the gameplay, and somebody listened to it, it would sound like you've smashed together like four or five different potential games. I, it's. I don't want to be in a world where this is what what games are anymore. It's just, I don't, I, maybe I'm just fucking old. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> maybe 29 is, is like the barometer, you know? 29 uh, is yeah. just. I think this game's just too weird for us, you know? We play Death Stranding. It's very much, uh, <laughs> it does scream Japanese developers trying to make something for a Western audience, but not quite having a grasp on Western culture or Western um it's like when um it's the one thing that makes me laugh every time is when anime tries to go to america but they use japanese voice actors trying to be americans and they sound nothing like it like they sound for some reason they sound closer to australian every single time instead of getting like an american person to do the voice um i it's it's just very yeah i don't know it, it it is just very different and obviously not for me yeah it, it's a lot thrown at you in this trailer apparently it involves time loops but then there's all these ai beings like a ai shark and then there's a robot baby with marionette swearing strings it's just like it's like a weird fever dream to be directly honest um but yeah 
clearly going to be for some people, but definitely not for us. So, uh, but yeah, that was the big like debut at in that showcase. Um, but they were like pitching super hard for the Japanese the Japanese audience. Um, As you do, I saw. Xbox, um, I think Paul James retweeted today something about um, getting potential developers like getting titles like Blue Dragon and Lost Odyssey back on consoles, like from. Mm. Um, after the success of Hi-Fi Rush, and I think that's a great idea. I think I love both um, Blue Dragon and Lost Odyssey on the 360 um, era. So, yeah, to see more Japanese um, developers and studios on board on Xbox would be really cool. Uh, then to round things off, uh, of course, there were a bunch of other presentations. Capcom had a presentation where it's pretty much like, hey, here's some more DLC. There's a new fighter in Street Fighter. I don't know. The one that got my attention was the uh, RGG Studios presentation, where they gave a full 10-minute story trailer for the upcoming Like a Dragon Infinite Wealth, um, pretty much detailing a lot of what the game actually is. Like, of course, the only thing that we know about the game was Ichiban is in America. America. He's butt naked. This trailer explains how he gets to that position in that trailer. They're being naked on the beach. Damn. Um, so apparently, is there is a lot of this trailer heavily spoilerish. Um, so I don't know if people actually need to watch it. Uh, but the general gist of it is he's coming to America. He's been sent to America to find his birth mother. Um, and then you know, shenanigans happen from there because it's a like a dragon game. Um, they did have like a, a separate like five minute gameplay trailer. It plays just like like a dragon, uh, with you know the turn based combat and that kind of stuff. There's more crazy mini games. Um, this one you can play it. You play as like a you can play as a uh, like a bike delivery person for food. But it's like crazy taxi. We do and mix with uh. What's the the bike game that you oh, jump like, over hills um, and stuff? I can't remember the game. I know yeah, what you mean. Whatever, but you have to like yeah, do a bunch yeah. of tricks and stuff and collect coins and stuff. It's crazy, and there's like a the amount of jobs in here, crazy bonkers. Like you play as like you can become like a cowboy, a samurai, a teacher, a action hero star, and you have like the full like uh, Bruce Lee yellow jumpsuit. It's crazy, uh, but yeah, this looks incredible looks like uh the culmination of kind of all the yakuza games like because obviously the protagonist from the first six is back in this game um and it looks like a bunch of characters from those games is coming back for this this one so um yeah looks fantastic um very excited is jump straight up the top of my list of games i'm excited about us and it's very exciting because the game is coming January twenty sixth next year, so it's like very close, far away. (laughs) And considering that, Uh, on top of that, there's also the news this week that Ishin is coming to Game Pass, like Dragon Ishin. Ishin coming to Game Pass that only came out earlier this year, Uh, and then like a Dragon, uh, Gaiden, the man who raised his name, is also releasing in the next couple of months. So what? That's three games in the series in the franchise in the space of twelve months. That's insane. That's really yeah, yeah, really insane. Really cool. So yeah, uh, yeah. Anything else you want to talk about? <laughs> um, 
there was one thing. What was this one? Oh, um, just a very quick one because I saw people losing their minds about this about shortly before we hit record today. Uh, so Square Enix have announced today that for Final Fantasy VII Rebirth, there will be no save continuation between Rebirth and the first game. So it won't carry across items and levels and stuff from the first game into this game. And mm. people seem to be very mad about that. Like, they, people seem to be... Uh, yeah. Annoyed about that. It's crazy. That I can't bring all my stuff. Well, yeah, I guess they're looking. <laughs> I can't get all my gear. I can't. Looking at it like it's all the same game in terms of Final Fantasy VII, um, and they're thinking it's just carried on progression into it. Um, I don't know. I saw somebody be like, "Win! This is just them money grubbing uh, attempts at breaking the game up into three different games to try and get more money out of us." And I was like, "Are you guys?" No. Yeah, that's exactly what they said they were doing. Like, they've always said it. (laughs) They said they're breaking up the game into three parts. It's like, these these same people, these same people supported The Hobbit being split into three movies. You shouldn't have done that. And this is what it is, you know? (laughs) I think this is different because... I don't... There is... If anybody could... Nobody could look at Final Fantasy VII Remake and say that game didn't have enough content to be its own game. That game was fucking packed. Considering the percentage of the original Final Fantasy VII that it covered, like that game was packed with content. Like there was lots to do with it. Like there was plenty to play around with yeah. and explore. Um so to to for anybody to even question for a second that there isn't gonna be enough content or this is gonna be lackluster because of that. No, you're crazy. I don't I just I'm very strange about it. I was very no, caught off guard no. when people were upset that there was no like save progression I'm like well, it's just fucking it's just Final Fantasy I, I just... guess like yeah it would it's a gear thing I would imagine like yes. I can't carry off the cool gear that I collected in the first game and I would say to that that's just a pain in the ass for balancing like 100% right you want either somebody that's jumping in like, and playing without yeah what's gonna it, or they're gonna bounce for Steve who's fucking got or they're gonna machine. assume You've got all this stuff, so they're just going to like level everybody else yeah. in the game up from that. So really, yeah. you're starting from zero anyway. So you might as well just start from zero. Just anyway. Start from zero again. Yep. Although I'm sure, like once the third game comes out, they could potentially do like a save run that goes through all three games. Potentially, I don't think they will though. I don't think they have to. I don't, I don't know. Think it's I think there's too I think much. I think there is too much of. Because there's no choices in Final Fantasy VII. As far as I can remember, there's no choices that differ in Final Fantasy VII. For me personally, that is the only yeah. reason why game saves should ever continue. And this has been set up by the original Mass Effect series. If you have to make choices in a game, and like the choices actually make significant change in how the game plays, yeah. then yes, your choices should carry mm-hmm. over and you should save, or you should do like a, a thing at the start of the game where you tell it what choices you made so it can carry on. Yeah. But Final Fantasy VII Remake didn't have that. Final Fantasy VII is a set story. Like, it is... I mean, I can understand it also from the perspective of, oh, I have to learn all these spells again. I the thing is, you probably don't have level to level one again. You probably know all the stuff... I don't know. We haven't played the game, so we... <laughs> yeah, you probably knew all the stuff that you knew at the end of Final Fantasy VII Remake. It's just starting from scratch, you know? It's not like fucking final. It's not like Spider Man Two. You're going. A robber to... came along and took all your stuff. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> it's not like Final Fantasy uh, Spider Man Two's coming out in a couple of weeks. That game save isn't carrying across. I don't think. And 
I don't think so. Spider-Man and Miles Morales aren't going to relearn how to be fucking Spider-Man. They already know it. It's just going to be restarting the leveling process and, and getting the new things from it. That's part of the fun of exactly, these games right? anyway. So. I would, it would be annoying to yeah. start a game and be like, oh, I've already leveled most of it. I need to just keep going. Yeah, no. Start. Yeah. What game do you think needs save progression? Let us know. By going to explosion.com slash Twitter and let us know what next. Or go to explosion.com explosion.com slash Discord and let us know on Discord. Uh, if you want to help us out here at Arcade Couch, leave us a review. Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. Leave us five stars. Any Quinn, leave five stars or just tell people listeners about the show. And if you've enjoyed this episode, thought it was worth a dollar, then on the code page at explosion.com slash support. Uh, thank you very much for listening. We'll see you here next week. Same time, same couch. Maybe with Dylan, maybe without. I don't know at this point. Mm-hmm. <laughs>